Every time people say, well, we need to do something about guns. What you need to come back at them with is we need to do something about a narco tyranny, about cops not doing their jobs, about cops allowing rioters to take over American cities, cops arresting Americans who try to defend themselves from mobs of violent thugs. Remember, we just found out the McCluskeys, the people in St. Louis, lost their law license permanently. The Supreme Court just turned down their appeal. They were deprived of their right to practice law for defending their home against a mob of arsonists. This is the kind of thing that happened in Hitler's Germany, the kind of thing that happens today in Venezuela. It is a a nasty, disgusting oligarchy runs our country and uses the law to persecute the people who oppose it. Um, Julie Kelly, got to read, everyone needs to read Julie Kelly over at American Greatness. She documented how, you know that guy they call him QAnon shaman, Jacob Chamsley? He wore the horns and painted his body on on January 6th. He didn't hurt anybody. He didn't threaten anybody. Totally harmless guy. Totally Walked into a building, talked to the cops, walked back out. He spent 306 days in in solitary confinement. He's spending three three and a half years in prison. The two members of Antifa in New York who were making Molotov cocktails and throwing them at cop cars full of cops, they got half the sentence that, that Jacob Chomsley did. This is a narco tyranny, but it's not just in blue states. Over the weekend, the these per, this disgusting gay palace had a drag show for children, and these sick parents brought their kids to the drag show. Some Christians gathered outside and confronted them as they left. So first of all, it's illegal to bring kids into a place serving alcohol. Second of all, these were men dressed as female prostitutes propositioning children, having children stuff $20 bills down their shirts. I have to hit pause here and say, folks, I saw some videotape of this. It is so sick. The only thing you can say is it's demonic. It is, is some of the sickest stuff I've ever seen. I don't recommend watching it. But the question is, John, wait, wait, Eric, I haven't finished. This could happen. Eric, I haven't finished with the the Dallas story. This happens with this drag bar. Christians are out on the sidewalk confronting them. Then you have on Twitter video of a mob of gay supporters badgering and harassing and threatening one one of the Christians, this this black fellow who's just trying to walk away from the event. And the cops come up and confront the Christian. And demand why he's causing trouble. It is like that. a scene out of Soviet Russia. We are that far gone. This is Dallas, Texas, allegedly with a Republican governor, allegedly in a red state. In in this red state, the sexual revolutionaries have the police on their side. And why? Because if you go against the sodomite mob, they will have lawyers. They will have boycotts. They will try to destroy your career and take away your pension. Whereas when you kick the Christians in the face, we just think, no, oh, I must deserve that. Maybe I didn't pray hard enough. Okay. But here's the good news. We have John Zmirak to cheer us up. Can yes. we bring him on? Is John alive? John, are yeah. you there? Come on in. He's, Oops, he on, he's muted. A muted Zmirak is of no use to me. <laughs> hey, Eric, how you doing? There he is. Now, I know, yes. I, I'm really surprised at you, Eric. I mean, you and I both grew up in, in Astoria in the 70s. And that little backyard project you laid out, I, I would have known, I would have thought you would have known, linoleum. 
The answer is always that, linoleum. That's about right. You no, could look, have put let, let me just tell you over the slate. What I find funny is as the decade passed, we've been here now 50 years. So when we moved here behind the house, there was grass. Then someplace, my mother, circa 1973, found some slates. She put the slates down on the grass and it was very nice. And like three years later, it was half overgrown and we had to. And I remember vividly, like with a screwdriver, prying up all the grass that had grown over the slate, whatever. That's the last thing I remember. That's over 40 years ago. The logical next step would have been to cover it in linoleum where nothing can grow. It would be waterproof. If I was smart, I would have done that. It would look terrible at first, but it would never look any worse. It would always have that freshly (laughs) terrible look that it had from the very beginning. Well, all I can tell you is is that it had fallen into such disrepair. Is desuetude a word that we could use here? I'm not sure if that's the right word. But it's not just that the grass grew over it. It's it's that the the uh, basically dirt and rain have have been filtering for decades. So it's four inches of topsoil and grass on top of the slate. Well, and I got rid of the topsoil. So if I look like a broken man from a Japanese prison camp, that's basically what you're dealing with right now. I just Speaking of it. World War Two, John, can we talk a little bit about D-Day before we get into the articles you've written? Sure. Um, my mother's brother was in it. Uh, he fought there and he, he was wounded at the battle, caught tuberculosis in the hospital and died of it a few years later. So my uncle was just a casualty of of Normandy. My, my father served under General Patton in Germany, but just after the end of combat. So he just well, missed the shooting. Pastor Andy Stanley says you shouldn't be in it to win it. It's hopelessly divisive. Culture war, war, those types of things. Just preach the gospel, man. Don't be divisive. You know what I'm saying? Well, well Pope Francis, Pope Francis recently said to, uh, during a Holocaust remembrance service, he said to a Jewish group that violence never solves anything. Violence never produces peace or reform. And, you know, I thought back, you know, it's funny. Dad said that the attitude in Germany towards Jewish people changed radically overnight, it seems, or really kind of town by town. And I want to determine what was the, the thing that happened in Germany where they stopped killing racial minorities. But it happened in one town after another, gradually until it happened in all the towns. You would think that had some violence associated with the U.S. Army. My, my dad was my dad was there when they marched the jerk when the, when Pat had the soldiers march the German townspeople through the concentration. Well, you're camp just, you're jumping ahead of your point, your point, because I don't want the audience to miss it. They, they were killing Jews. Suddenly the killing stopped. How did it stop? American soldiers with guns and t- tanks. That's how the killing stopped. So sometimes violence and the threat of violence do solve some things like the killing of millions of Jews, which is really a negative thing. And the killing of those kids in that school in Uvalde, Texas. I've got a column coming out of the stream. It, it, I saw the video of, of, of one of the moms in Uvalde, Texas. Now, right now, our disgusting media apparatus and, and the 
communist Democratic Party and the Vichy French coward leadership of the Republican Party are all collaborating to try to confiscate private firearms from Americans. And they're all saying, but another school shooting. If people have hunting rifles in Arizona, then there'll be massacres in Connecticut. I don't know how it works, but it happens. It's magic. No. The right now, what you need to know is the mass shooting in Florida, in Texas, was an example of police negligence to the point where they these guys ought to go to prison or the family Excuse members. Me. Excuse me. I want to underscore what you just said. Those cops should go to prison. They should be tried. We need to deal with this as a country. If cops can't do their job. They should either resign or if something like this happens, they should be put on trial and sent to prison. It is unbelievable what happened. We're going to talk more on the other side of the break. I'm talking to John Smirak. Folks, our website is metaxastalk.com. My website is ericmetaxas.com. Don't go away. In a country where they turn by time, you go strolling through the crowd like Welcome back. I'm talking to John Zmirak. You heard me, John Zmirak. In hour two, we have Tim Barton. And at the end of this hour, right at the edge, when I stop talking to John Zmirak, we're going to announce the three CSI grand prize winners. Did I mention grand prize winners, plural? There are three of you. And at the end of this hour, we will have those names and cities and now back to John Zmirak. John Zmirak, uh, you were talking about Evalda, Uvalde. Yes. What happened with the cops there? I I'm still trying to process it because it doesn't really. Let me, let's reiterate. Sense. Let's reiterate because yeah. people might not have heard what happened with the cops because the media is trying to make it all about taking our guns away. What happened in Uvalde was a teacher illegally leaves a door propped open so that the school is no longer secure. This kid with a long history of violent, weird, bizarre behavior, including dressing in drag, cutting his face, who, of course, was ignored by the school because you're not allowed to notice that a kid is a wait wait a minute. You said dressing in drag. Yeah. Well, that seems to have been left out of anything I read. I've seen pictures of it. Doesn't fit the narrative. Doesn't fit the narrative. Right. Well, so you're not allowed to notice that a kid is a freak or you're supposed to celebrate it. Um, so this weird kid whose mother was a druggie, uh, gr- growing up wild, nobody's allowed to notice, nobody's allowed to intervene. He comes and starts shooting up the school. 70 minutes pass. The cops are outside plucking around like chickens. Parents are screaming at the cops, trying to say, do something, do something, you worthless pieces of... Can you, you tell me, please... I- before my head explodes, why they didn't? Why were they standing we around? We still my don't children know. Are being killed? I, All right. I'd like some answers. Okay, we still don't know why. Um, they had had an active shooter training two months ago, which said you must go in, you must confront the shooter, risk your life. If you don't want to risk your life, you're in the wrong line of work. Two months ago, they 
sat out there for 70 minutes, parents trying to go in. They stopped them from going in. I saw a video on, on Twitter. This is in my upcoming column, which comes out today at, the, at stream.org. It's called Daddy is it Communist Poland yet? Daddy is it Communist Poland yet? Uh, the cops kept keeping the parents from going in. One woman kept insisting. She had heard about it on the radio, drove to the school where her kids were, and tr- tried to go in. The cops handcuffed her. She got another cop to unhandcuff her. She ran in got, and got her kids. And she brings her kids out. The, the standoff's still going on. I'm surprised the I'm, Justice I'm, I'm Department you. is not prosecuting her for being an insurrectionist. I, I want to ask you something. Can you try to explain why these cops did didn't do their job and children were murdered? Do, do you have any reasons. idea why the cops two, two did theories. this? Because they're complicit in the murder, it strikes me. They well, have firearms. They have the ability to do this. They do nothing. They're now complicit in these murders. What would keep them from going in? Well, before that, I haven't finished the story. The cops still didn't go in. Finally, a member of the Border Patrol who doesn't, it's not his job, hears about the shooting. He has a kid in the school. He goes rogue and decides to go in. The cops try to stop him. He shoves them aside because he has a badge he can shove them aside. He marches in and one alone takes out the shooting. Okay, that's how the story ended. Now, there are, I think, two possible theories, um, maybe three. One, cowardice and the prolonged effect of beating of the police getting beaten down for whatever they did. You know, the defund the police all across the country. Police are under siege. And I think a lot of places our cops are demoralized and kind of disaffected. And they're just kind of looking to save their own skin. Okay, so so, they can so get the pro BLM people have created an atmosphere uh, that basically says cops are the enemy. Uh, this has not been dealt with uh, by Democrats. They've kind of gone along with this, the woke narrative. So you're saying that's part of, and I, and I think you're probably right. They think what, what's in it for me, yeah. except uh, they're going to criticize me if I do anything wrong. So I better not do anything. So I guess that's part of the breakdown. But what if else? you're a cop and you think that way, you should quit. And you should certainly not stop parents from going in to protect their kids. What I think will happen next time, the next oh, no, time no, no, something I'm like, not, wait, wait, Eric, I, I'm, I'm not if, I mean, if, to imply, John, that what you're what you think. I'm, all, all, I'm agreeing with you. They yeah. should have quit. But I'm trying to understand. So that's number one. Right. Right. But I'm saying I'm warning cops. If this happens again and there are kids under threat and you're in a, a play, part of the country where parents have firearms like Texas, do not try to keep parents out they will use the guns on you it will be horrible it will be ugly but you cannot stop parents from protecting their children from violence they're not going to respect the the law they're not going to respect the state for that well there there is no law if your children are being murdered the only law exists is to keep them safe and if they're not doing that i mean then you go in basically parents have an instinct so yeah, the, the, the second theory is that cops are being told not to protect citizens from violence, um, that a narco tyranny is a technique 
It's a technique of taking power. It, it was what the Nazis used in Germany, where one anarchy for my friends and tyranny for your friends. So German judges who didn't like the communists and were sympathetic to the Nazis, they would let the Nazis commit political violence in the streets and then they would slap them on the wrist. The communists and the socialists they'd been beating up, they would send them to prison for defending themselves. That's a narco tyranny. That's literally how the Nazis came to power in Germany. Well, the far left, the communists studied that. They wrote books about it and they decided to apply it themselves. It's what they did in Cuba. It's what they did in Venezuela. And it's what they're doing now. If you remember the George Floyd riots, cops stood around while stores were looted all across America. But if a private citizen took out a firearm and tried to defend his property, they would swoop in like they were heroes, saving people. Kyle Rittenhouse was immediately arrested and prosecuted for first degree murder. Jake Gardner tried to defend his bar and his eight elderly father from a, a felon thug who looted the, the bar three times. He, the guy was strangling him. Jake Gardner shoots him. Prosecutors descend on him, urged on by a left-wing mob. Destroy his life, he commits suicide. Jake Gardner, remember his name. Jake Gardner. He was the, maybe the last American. Um, he, he, was, he is the kind of, he ended up like a kulak, starving in, in, in a collective farm. He is the, the icon of what the left wants to destroy. We are living under a narco tyranny. And it's, it is possible to me that cops nationwide have been told hand down because what's a few kids shot at a school if it lets us confiscate all the guns in America? Well, and I, I think that is the end game. And that is who, that, that's the end of the game. John, who, first of all, what's the title of your piece at stream.org? Daddy, is it communist Poland yet? Daddy, comma, is it communist Poland yet? Um, if it's difficult to talk about this because it's so disturbing. Let me ask you, when you say, I mean, there's a narrative out there. I get it, right? We, we see in blue states and blue cities, you see uh, Democrats going along with a certain narrative, telling the cops, don't do your, your job. Don't. The first time I saw this, actually, I was visiting Canada. This is maybe eight years ago. Uh, I'm sorry, not Canada. I was in Australia oh. and I was speaking at an event and somebody decided uh, because the event was put on by a family organization that it was somehow anti-gay or something like that. And I saw people trying to come into the church. These are like law abiding, middle aged, elderly people trying to come into a church. The mob was not letting them into the church. There was a mob outside. What struck me most dramatically was that the cops did not do their job. It was obvious. I was screaming at the cops. I was screaming at them in Australia. I thought to myself, how is it possible they're allowing this? That has come to America. Well, guess what happened in Australia 20 years ago? There was a mass shooting, one mass shooting. And the Australians all folded like cheap tents and turned in their guns. And Australia will never be free again. They were able to lock everyone in their homes over COVID. That's what happens when you turn in your guns. You are a veal calf waiting for the knife. Okay, we're we're going to uh, keep John for the rest of the hour. At the end of that hour, we will announce the winners. 
the three grand prize winners. Folks, if you gave something to CSI, you were on the list. Your name might be mentioned. If you didn't give anything, I'm afraid you can't be a winner. Uh, We'll be right back. Folks, we're talking to John Zmirak at the end of the hour. Uh, I will announce the CSI Grand Prize winners in an hour or two. We have Tim Barton of Wall Builders talking about Roe v. Wade. John, I have to ask you, um, what's happening in America, it's happened gradually, um, but we're now at a point where the breakdown of the family, what happened in the 1960s, uh, the breakdown of the family has led to this. In other words, it, it takes time, but now you have a, the mother of this shooter is a drug addict, is, is a confused person. There is no father. The 18 year old is deeply disturbed. He's, you know, it, when we were kids in school, you'd say, well, he, he's a weirdo. Like you'd, you'd be kind of worried about him or something. They're just something they're not socially uh, fitting in. But now, as you said earlier, it's, it's out of bounds to point that out. It's out of bounds to say something's wrong with that person. Now you have to sort of celebrate their madness. You said it's he was been- a cross-dresser. I don't know what else was going on, but the point is that you're not allowed to talk about that un- until he kills 19 children. And then when he kills the 19 children, it's the fault of law-abiding gun owners in Wyoming. You see, it is part of a program. These anti-family laws were put in place for a reason, to break down the family so that Everyone is just an isolated individual, an, an electron whirling around the nucleus federal government. The goal, the goal of the sexual revolution was always more sexual liberty for wealthy, good looking people, more power for the government. And the power of the government will be ruled, will be wielded by the aristocrats. This all comes from the Marquis de Sade, a perverted aristocrat who came up with the ideology that became the sexual revolution, popularized by Jean-Paul Sartre and Simone de Beauvoir. It is now the official religion of the West, is the, uh, the thought of the Marquis de Sade. But I want to get back to Evolve it and, and, and to what it implies. Every time people say, well, we need to do something about guns, what you need to come back at them with is we need to do something about a narco tyranny, about cops not doing their jobs, about cops allowing rioters to take over American cities, cops arresting Americans who try to defend themselves from mobs of violent thugs. Remember, we just found out the McCluskeys, the people in St. Louis, lost their law license permanently. The Supreme Court just turned down their appeal. They were deprived of their right to practice law for defending their home against a mob of arsonists. This is the kind of thing that happened in Hitler's Germany, the kind of thing that happens today in Venezuela. It is a a nasty, disgusting oligarchy runs our country and uses the law to persecute the people who oppose it. Um, Julie Kelly, got to read, everyone needs to read Julie Kelly over at American Greatness. She documented how, you know that guy they call him QAnon shaman, Jacob Chamsley? He wore the horns and painted his body on on January 6th. He didn't hurt anybody. He didn't threaten anybody. Totally harmless guy. Totally walked into a building, talked to the cops, walked back out. 
He spent 306 days in, hol- in solitary confinement. He's spending a three, and a three and a half years in prison. The two members of Antifa in New York who are making Molotov cocktails and throwing them at cop cars full of cops, they got half the sentence that, that Jacob Chomsley did. This is a narco tyranny, but it's not just in blue states. Over the weekend, the, these per, this disgusting gay Alice had a drag show for children, and these sick parents brought their kids to the drag show. Some Christians gathered outside and confronted them as they left. So first of all, it's illegal to bring kids into a place serving alcohol. Second of all, these were men dressed as female prostitutes propositioning children, having children stuff $20 bills down their shirts. I have to hit pause here and say, folks, I saw some videotape of this. It is so sick. The only thing you can say is it's demonic. It is, is some of the sickest stuff I've ever seen. I don't recommend watching it. But the question is, John, wait, wait, Eric, I haven't finished. This could happen. Eric, I haven't finished with the the Dallas story. This happens with this drag bar. Christians are out on the sidewalk confronting them. Then you have on Twitter video of a mob of gay supporters badgering and harassing and threatening one one of the Christians, this this black fellow who's just trying to walk away from the event. And the cops come up and confront the Christian. And demand why he's causing trouble. It is like that. a scene out of Soviet Russia. We are that far gone. This is Dallas, Texas, allegedly with a Republican governor, allegedly in a red state. In in this red state, the sexual revolutionaries have the police on their side. And why? Because if you go against the sodomite mob, they will have lawyers. They will have boycotts. They will try to destroy your career and take away your pension. Whereas when you kick the Christians in the face, we just think, no, I must deserve that. Maybe I didn't pray hard enough. I mean, that about sums it up, doesn't it? It's extraordinary. I mean, to me, the, the takeaway is people, we have to get serious. We have to only elect people who will fight this nonsense. If you elect someone who will not stand against this courageously, you are part of the problem. If you Meaning, allow people to be in office who don't stand against this, you are part of the problem. Our worthless so-called Republican Senator John Cornyn of Texas is trying to sell our gun rights to the lowest bidder. Why? Because he doesn't want people to say nasty things about him on television, and he doesn't care about America. He doesn't well, care about it. He's the definition of of a rhino. Um, but there are plenty more, John. There are plenty, oh, yeah. plenty more. We're going to a break. We'll be right back more with John Zmirak. Hey there, folks. Eric Metaxas here. As you know, our friend, and he's a real friend, Mike Lindell, has a passion to help everyone get the best sleep of their life. But he didn't stop by simply creating the best pillow. Now Mike has done it again by introducing his My 
slippers, my slippers. They're unbelievable. I know all about them, but I got to tell you for a limited time, you will save $90 on each pair of my slippers. They're expensive. You can save $90. This blowout sale of the year won't last order now. He's taken over two years to develop them. The my slippers are designed to wear indoors and out all day long, made with my pillow foam and impact gel to help prevent fatigue, made with quality leather suede. Call 1-800-978-3057. Use the promo code ERIC or go to MyPillow.com. Click on the radio listeners square and use promo code ERIC. The offer will not last long, so order now with promo code ERIC at MyPillow.com or call 800-978-3057. Folks, welcome back. As you know, today we celebrate the anniversary of D-Day. And you know, John, I think of the men, young men who heroically risked their lives and gave their lives. And you think of that generation and you think where we have come all these years later that we can hardly say what it is to be a man, what it is to be a woman. Um, It is a moral issue more than anything. This is a moral issue. uh, And of course, because I have a book coming out about it, I, I, I wonder where are the pastors speaking the truth? They're supposed to be fearlessly speaking the truth in love on all of these issues, silence for most of them. Oh, listen, uh, my own Catholic church, Pope Francis is preparing to surrender on, on homosexuality. He's gathering all these LGBTQ, my name's Legion people, the gay priests and gay nuns. And he is, he is trying to soften Catholics up to accept same-sex marriage. Uh, he is that much of a sellout. I mean, I always I knew on 83rd Street and Park Avenue, there's a huge, famous Catholic church, St. Ignatius Loyola. They have rainbow banners outside the church, says something like all are welcome. I thought this is a huge Catholic church, not an Episcopal church, not a Methodist church, a Catholic church on Park Avenue. When I saw it, I my heart sank because there are markers along the road to perdition. I could not believe what I was seeing. And again, let's be clear. We're not talking about demonizing gay people. We're not. What we're talking about is Christian doctrine says marriage between a man and a woman marriage for life. These are Christian doctrines. These are 2000 years old and we are sending mixed signals. It is confusing uh, the people in the pew and it comes from the top down. But I got to tell you, John, when I saw that, that was a new day for me. Yeah. Well, the, the, the Jesuits who have that, that's their parish, um, they've been the leader in this. And uh, things are very grim. Things are very grim. But par- pastors want their lives to be easy. They want to have a peaceful existence. Think of Ned Flanders on The Simpsons. Your average pastor is a lot like Ned Flanders. What we need is, is a lot supposed to lay his life down for the sheep. The good shepherd. We need a lot more pastors down for the sheep. We need pastors more like Mr. Burns than like <laughs> Ned Flanders. John, I, I still I, I'm I'm just astonished at this. This is when you talk about the Catholic Church. I feel like for many years, I mean, I'm not a Catholic, but I thought they're holding the line on abortion 
on marriage. These are basic things, folks. We're not talking about demonizing people we disagree with. We're talking about holding a doctrine, teaching the truth and love. Um, if that's not happening uh, in Catholic parishes, and I don't mean from the pulpit, uh, that's maybe expecting too much because it's pathetic. But to have rainbow banners outside of a church, talk about sending a mixed message. It's astonishing. I say, well, I you know, those, these so-called, these gay, par- pro-gay parishes, in the gay community, they're known as like meat markets, like any, any kind of event associated with Dignity, which is the gay Catholic organization. It's basically a meat market to, to, to meet sexual partners. So it is it is that appalling. But then okay. the speaker, the speaker of the House of the United States claims that as a Catholic, abortion rights are sacred ground to her. And one her bishop denies her Holy Communion. Only six other bishops in America support her. All the others, the silence is echoing. It's deafening. That's because the Catholic Church is the Democratic Party at prayer. Always has been and apparently always will be, no matter what the Democratic Party stands for. The the Irish-American bishops will line up behind him and say, oh, okay, all right, but but, but no racism. And and you've got to support the labor unions. And Brits (laughs) out of Ireland. Well, I um, I want to encourage people to go to stream.org to read everything there, but especially anything that you write, stream.org. Folks, you owe it to yourself. Tell your neighbors, share it on social media. But, John, you know, I the reason I have hope is because God does not change. The world might get sick. God does not change. And I do see people rising up. I saw Lauren Boebert um, the other day and Marjorie Taylor Greene and a They're number great. of others saying things that are absolutely heroic. And I really think that things had to get this bad for some people to wake up. But folks, if you do not help elect people like that, you're part of the problem. It's game over in America. Between 1914 and 1990, governments murdered 170 million civilians, intentionally murdered them, not including casualties of war. They intentionally murdered 170 million Innocent civilians were killed by their own governments in just 80 years. What did all those people have in common? All of them had been disarmed by their governments, whether it was Weimar Germany or Russia or China. In every case, those citizens were butchered by their government, had been disarmed. The first thing Lenin did in Russia was seize all the private guns. First thing the Nazis did was use Weimar's gun laws to seal, seize all the guns, first from the socialists and the Jews, then the Catholics, and then everyone. The first thing Fidel Castro did, what they're doing in Venezuela, what they're talking about doing in Chile, and what the communist dictator of Canada, Justin Trudeau, is trying to do right now. If they take away your guns, you have no more options. You are veal calf. You are a victim. You're one of the little faces in Schindler's List. Your toast. Goodbye. So contact your representatives. Let them know that cold, dead fingers is not a metaphor. It's a promise. Well, again, you know, today is the anniversary of D-Day. We used to live that way. There was a dignity. People understood what freedom was. They understood that it comes with a huge price. And Americans were willing to pay that price. Um, We have fallen on really, really dark times. Uh, and there are people who don't seem to understand anything of how freedom works, what self-government is, why people died so that we could be free. Uh, and it's kind of like the rich kid you know, living, living off of what his ancestors 
killed themselves to create right. and he's just squandering it away. That's, That's right. kind of where we are right That's now. That's right. We're, we're spoiled, decadent heirs and uh, we're going to lose it all. We're going to end up completely helpless serfs in a dystopian future. Unless, kid- unless we fight and pray. John, That's you're right. one of the voices out there. There's a number of us. Folks, do not lose hope but you got to get busy. When we come back, we're announcing the winners, CSI winners. Stay tuned and more with John Smirak. In hour two, we've got Tim Barton of Wall Builders talking about Roe v. Wade. We have a few more minutes with John Smirak, but first, we promised we'd announce the winners. Yes. Uh, the grand prize winners drawn at random from those of you who gave generously to the CSI campaign. Albin, who are our winners? Here we go. Mark and Gene Van Dyke from Silver Springs, Maryland. Wait a minute. Mark and Gene Van Dyke from Silver Springs, Maryland. Did I get that right? Yes. I just guessed. Go ahead. Next. Alan Newman from Sanguine, Texas. S-E-G-U-I-N-E. John, is that right? Sanguine? Is the first name again? The, the first, Alan, first name? Alan Newman. I thought Alan John Newman, was. come on down. Yeah. Terrific. Who else? Okay. And then Pamela Fisher from Richmond, Virginia. Pam. W-A. W-A. Washington. Pamela Richmond, Fisher. Washington. Richmond, Washington. Richland, Richland, Washington. Richland, Washington. Well, folks. You are the winners. God bless you for giving and all of those uh, who gave. God bless you and thank you. We really appreciate that. We'll be in touch with you. Uh, You can be in touch with us as well if you like. Uh, We now go to John Zmirak for the last few minutes of our one. John Zmirak, you're painting a grim, grim, grim picture. Do you... Where do you see hope, John, even though in the natural, we don't deserve hope? In the... the, Let's leave aside the fact that God controls the meteorites, okay? I mean, that's how I'm hoping. That's what I'm I'm putting my hope in a meteorite hitting the next papal conclave and wiping out all the cardinals. Uh, that's my hope for the Roman Catholic Church. It's a meteor will kill everyone but a few African cardinals who miss their flights, and we'll get a clean slate. So I want everyone to join in a prayer crusade for a meteorite to obliterate the next college of conclave of the College of Cardinals. For even Protestants can join in on this one. I, I think even fervent Lutherans can pray for a conclave to hit the Vatican, a meteor yeah. to hit the Vatican, maybe for different reasons, but we can all be together. We want a meteorite to hit the Vatican during the next papal conclave. But apart from that, we see there was a Republican candidate for Congress who made some cowardly statement about gun control. The backlash was so instantaneous, he dropped out of the race. That's what we need. We need to convey to our elected officials, we are not giving up our guns. Whoever you send to collect them will not go home safely. We are not turning in our guns. No, no, no. We're buying more guns. That's the point is that all of this talk makes buying guns the only logical thing to do. The cops aren't protecting us. And ammo. I think the currency of the future is not Bitcoin, but AR-15 rounds. Invest. You heard it here. I'm sorry to say it's wisdom. If you want to protect your family, you you realize that the cops are doing what they did in Uvalde. 
people need to take action. You need, we're self-governing. We protect ourselves. We take care of ourselves. I mean, if that's what it's going to take, um, but you're and, quite and right. protect ourselves from the government. The government is the biggest threat. The deadliest killer in the 20th century was the modern secular state. No disease came close. The black plague was nothing compared to the modern secular government. The black uh, plague was your friend compared to the modern comparatively, comparatively. So make it clear. And when and you'll see how vicious these people get. Uh, Eric Swalwell, the Chinese communist spy in Congress, he, he talked about using nuclear weapons against the population if they wouldn't turn in their guns. And Joe Biden, in a, in a lucid moment, talked about using AR-15s, using the military jets against the Not population. You mean F-14s, I think. F-14s. He yes, talked about the gun as an AR-14. He talked about F-15 jets. That's right. He talked about using the U.S. Air Force. Now, I just want to remind these nice people from the government, you couldn't pacify Afghanistan. You think you can pacify Mississippi, Alabama, Texas, Oklahoma? Not going to happen. Try it. Not going to happen. Try it. Come and take that. John Smirak, my friend, thank you, thank you, thank you. You're coming to New York uh, in a few weeks, and we're going to have you in the studio. It's going to get crazy up in here. Uh, <laughs> folks, thanks for listening. Hour two, Tim Barton, Roby Wade, Wall Builders, don't go away. Metaxas Show with your host, Eric Metaxas. Hey, folks, guess what? Yes, did you guess? Did you guess? My guest right now and for this whole hour is somebody that I like to call John Zmirak. John, do you mind if I call you John Zmirak? You're one of three people who's ever pronounced my name correctly, so thank you. <laughs> well, um, with a name like Metaxas, you know, you, you, learn to, you learn to respect the ethnic names like Zmirak. Um, <laughs> We uh, we did a Socrates in the City a couple of nights ago that was really spectacular with uh, Apollo 16 astronaut Charlie Duke. It was so amazing. We're going to get it online. But I'm literally still tired uh, because it was a late night. Yesterday was crazy. Um, but I'm cheered up because I get to talk to you. You've written a number of articles at stream.org that are, you know, as good as anything you write, uh, as important as anything anybody writes. And so... Uh, I don't know what we should talk about first. You have written one on the uh, the Sussman uh, trial, which is a oh, horrifying, yeah. and then you wrote about the Uvalde massacre. Yeah. Well, let's talk. Let's talk about the Sussman trial first, because I think a lot of people uh, frame that for folks who are unaware of what that is. Sure. Well, the title, uh, my title, says it all. OJ jury acquits Michael Sussman. By Basically the way, that's the so same- funny. That first we have to pause, we have to pause and say, that's brilliantly funny. And it, what it is, it's like a Babylon B headline, because it's, it's sort of true. Now, by the way, if that is construction happening outside, if they're drilling and stuff, I want you to know I don't mind. But I know, I know there's construction going on right outside your, uh, your, your house there. I'm trying to mute it and fight fight against it, but don't don't um, don't worry about it. We've all had construction in our lives, so go ahead. Talk okay. about OJ jury acquits Michael Sussman. 
Well, so the Sussman trial, on the one hand, it did expose everything the Democrats have been willing to do to sabotage a pre- an elected president, to sabotage President Trump in office. They were willing to assert that he had committed treason. They were willing to destroy our relations with Russia. Now, remember, our relations with Russia were important. While Trump was president, Russia was not attacking Ukraine. We, we if, if Trump had not been constantly under a drumbeat of entirely made up, invented accusations of being in a treasonous relationship with Vladimir Putin, he probably could have resolved the issues between Russia and Ukraine well, peacefully. No, there's, but instead, look, John, there's no doubt about that. There's no doubt so about the what you just said. Every dead Ukra- the blood of every dead Ukrainian and every dead Russian is on the hands of Hillary Clinton and Michael Sussman and, and the people at the FBI who took their lives at fa- lies at face value, even though they knew they were false. You know and what? This what I always the jury in D.C. that let them go is all too typical. What I try to understand, uh, because I, I, I don't, is. Are there people – is somebody like Hillary Clinton and the people involved in this, are they so cynical that they simply don't think about this or they, they can't be bothered to think about the, the real-world consequences of this? Or are they such ideologues that they just don't care? They feel that like, I've got to do this. This is what must be done, and the results are the results. We don't. I can't worry about the results. I mean I feel like you have to be inured – uh, in that way. Otherwise, they wouldn't be capable of doing these things. Yeah. When you think about the, the literally remember, millions of lives that are affected. Remember the audio tape of Hillary Clinton talking about defending a, a, a rapist of a, of a young girl. And Hillary was cackling with glee over what a good job she did of destroying the rape victim on the stand. She was just taking a, a, a wicked Machiavellian delight in her ability to wield power, her ability to do what she wanted. So I think these are people who long ago decided the end justifies the means. They're not even really focused on the end. Um, They're not even really focused on the outcome. They're focused on maintaining control, on keeping their tribe in charge. And they hate our tribe. They think our tribe, conservatives, Christians, blue collar people, churchgoers, they think we are like a cannibal tribe of dangerous primitives who have to be kept under control. Maybe they can give us give us a few trinkets, a few shiny objects uh, once in a while, like Bill Barr was one of those shiny objects. Mike Pence was like one of the one of the beads that they that they gave the natives and the savages to keep us quiet. They'll throw us a Mike Pence every once in a while. But they want to make sure we don't get any rifles. We don't want to sure get any guns and ammo like Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis. That's dangerous. You can't let the primitives have weapons. Just give them trinkets. Well, that's very, very well put. Mike Pence and Bill Barr are trinkets, shiny objects given to us. Uh, so that we're happy, so that we're appeased and we go away. But when we talk about the Sussman trial, the the reason this is so difficult is because, and and again, frame this a little bit better, you know, talk about the fact that Durham, uh, talk about what was going on there in case anybody hasn't been tracking with this, what what happened. Sussman was Clinton's lawyer and he, yeah, He went, okay, Sussman was Clinton's go-between who went to the FBI, 
with entirely made up information claiming that Donald Trump had a secret email server and was communicating with a Russian bank that's connected to oligarchs and to Vladimir Putin. None of that was true. It was simply cooked up to distract people from the fact that Hillary Clinton was facing possible prosecution for illegally maintaining a private server with classified emails. So they made up they made up a crime and attributed it to Donald Trump. Meanwhile, the, the Obama administration was illegally surveilling the Trump administration and they the, the, sorry, the Trump campaign. And they used this as part of the pretext. Well, we have a national security reason. And then we'll go to the FISA court because Donald Trump might be a traitor. He might be in collusion with the foreign power. All of it pulled out of Hillary Clinton's bodily orifice and given to the FBI and the FBI held it up like it was real evidence. And now we see, thanks to this OJ jury in D.C., the Democrats can get away with this and they are not subject to the law. Any federal crime they want to commit. Wait, Eric, I need to finish this. Any federal crime the Democrats want to commit, a D.C. jury will approve it. They could walk down the Pennsylvania Avenue shooting Republicans and they would not be prosecuted. This is like we are now living in communist Poland or communist East Germany where party members are not subject to the law. And we as dissidents will end up in solitary confinement for political crimes like the January 6th defendants. We're not living in a democracy anymore. Don't give up your guns. Okay, I, I wasn't even I wasn't even going to interrupt you. I was just nodding aggressively. I <laughs> I really no no I I mean my my question, John, um, b- because unfortunately, what you're saying is true. These things are true, but they tempt us to despair. In other words, I think that there were people who say like, oh, nothing matters anymore, and you think, well, no, everything matters. Everything still matters. The simple question is. What do we do right now? And, and there are many things we can do, but what, what are some of the things we can do to deal with this? One of the things is, is to speak the truth. You are speaking the truth. You are saying, as many are, there's a double standard. It's fundamentally anti-American. It's very sick that this would be happening. But what are some of the things we can do? If- well, if, if we're we're under siege, it's like we're defending the last few guys, Texans defending the Alamo. If you're defending the Alamo against a foreign dictatorial power that wants to impose itself on you, you see who's getting shot at and you support the people who are taking fire. So people like Marjorie Taylor Greene, um, Paul Gozar, any member of Congress whom you see people like Mitch McConnell and Mike Pence and, and Mitt Romney are trying to label as extremist, anybody who is who is targeted by the media as being an extremist or a nut, that's the person to support All right. to the hilt. We're, we're going to be we've got the whole hour. Right we've got the whole hour with uh, John Zmierik and his construction crew. We'll be right back. And when a young girl doesn't have any friends, that's a really nice place to go. Folks hoping you'd turn out cool, but they had to take you out of school. You're a little touched, you know, and your baby. Tell me, Eric, why is Relief Factor so successful at lowering or eliminating pain? I'm often asked that question. The owners of Relief Factor tell me they believe our bodies were designed to heal. That's right, designed to heal, and I agree with them. 
So the doctors who formulated Relief Factor for them selected the four best ingredients. Yes, 100% drug-free ingredients. Each helps your body deal with inflammation. Each of the four ingredients deals with inflammation from a different metabolic pathway. And that right there, approaching from four different angles, may be why so many people find such wonderful relief. So if you've got back pain, shoulder, neck, hip, knee, or foot pain from exercise or just getting older, you should order the three-week quick start discounted to only $19.95 to see if it will work for you. It works for me. It has for about 70% of the half a million people who've tried it and have ordered more. Go to relieffactor.com or call 800-4-RELIEF to find out about this offer. Feel the difference. In case you haven't been paying attention, the Biden administration has caused a financial crisis and they have no clue how to fix it. Oil prices have skyrocketed, and when oil prices go up, the cost of transportation and shipping spikes, leading the prices of goods to rise. And when we're already seeing record inflation, that's the last thing we need. Our economy is in trouble, and you need to take steps to protect yourself. If all your money is tied up in stocks, bonds, and traditional markets, you are vulnerable. Gold is one of the best ways to protect your retirement. No matter what happens, you own your gold. It is real. It is physical. It's always been valuable since the dawn of time. Legacy Precious Metals is the company I trust for investing in gold. They can help you roll your retirement account into a gold-backed IRA where you still own the physical gold. They can also ship gold and precious metals safely and securely to your house. Call Legacy at 866-528-1903 or visit them online at LegacyPMInvestments.com. Hey there, folks. Welcome back. I'm talking to John Zmirak and the uh, construction crew that is making this uh, an impossible interview to conduct. John, I want to say what you said just before we went to the break. This is really important. Figure out who is speaking and support those people. Marjorie Taylor Greene, John Zmirak, Eric Metaxas, you know, anybody that is talking about these things. What's that? Naomi Wolf, Steve Bannon, Dr. Peter McCullough. Let's not forget yesterday's lies, yesterday's crisis, which is the COVID lockdown. The left is is tree is acting like a cage full of monkeys throwing poop at the wall. And they the, the poop of the COVID lockdown, they, they they kept that up as long as they could. Kept us locked in our homes, our churches closed, our businesses closed. They tried to force the dead baby vaccine on our kids. They're still trying to force it on our infants. But because they stop hitting us over the head with a lead pipe and instead start to burn our leg with, with, with a soldering iron, we're supposed to forget about the lead pipe right. and the head. Right. They... They, the left is in, engaged in a multi-front, constant effort to take away our freedoms and subject us to an authoritarian state. Right. Look at Canada. Look at Canada. Three months ago or six months ago, they were using mounted police to crush nonviolent demonstrators. And now they're going to seize all private firearms in the country. This is exactly how Lenin acted when he took over Russia, how Hitler acted when he took over Germany. Justin Trudeau is a burgeoning fascist dictator. Um, And and once they take away Canadians' guns, they will be powerless to resist. uh, You know something, but but they will also be powerless to resist us when we take over Canada. That's my goal, John. I think we need to take (laughs) over. We need to liberate the Canadians uh, from the Trudeau regime 
And I think you and I, you know, we can lead a couple of battalions up there. Uh, it would be nice, you know, just for the maps to have have America extend <laughs> all the way uh, to Hudson Bay and the Arctic. So it would just be nice. You know what I'm saying? For the maps, particularly Except for Quebec, I would want to I would want to cut Quebec loose and float it across the ocean to France. Well, <laughs> it's it's so preposterous. But I, I think. You, you, you touched on something that's important uh, earlier, and I just want to repeat it because it's very, it is important. I want to say, folks, when you think, what can I do? You can support the people who are fighting, who are not going along with the madness. Uh, we've mentioned. And the way to know who they are, the way to know who they are, who is being attacked on, on, on your MSN feed, who is being attacked by Republican leadership. Those are the people you should rally to and defend. Nobody on the left is upset about Mitch McConnell. Nobody on the left is upset about Liz Cheney because they are sock puppets for the left. They are the controlled opposition. People need to understand the concept of controlled opposition. In the 1970s and 80s, there was an alternative political party permitted in communist Poland. Did you know that? It was called the Agrarian Party. I only know that because you told me that, yeah. It was allowed to get 2% of the vote. It was allowed to occasionally protest communist policies mildly. And by by having that puppet opposition, they were able to say, you see, we are a people's democracy. We have multi-party system. That is what the Democrats and the establishment Republicans want. Mike Pence wants to be the Marshall Patan of the, of the occupational government. It, it, we have to see past it. Donald Trump has served as a great rallying point and a great spokesman for waking people up to how the Republican Party was halfway sold out to the enemy. Um, I'm not sure he needs to be our nominee next time. I actually would rather see Ron DeSantis because Ron DeSantis has much more of a track record of fighting the deep state, fighting the mainstream media and winning, fighting Democrats and legislatures and winning and getting things accomplished. Which is why he'll make a great vice president. Um, seriously, Trump will run. Trump will win. But DeSantis, we need a deep bench. Uh, we need we need to be fighting on more fronts. And I think we have looked too much to Donald Trump. We need to have many people. You mentioned a couple of heroes, obviously, Marjorie Taylor Greene. I was very impressed with Lauren Boebert. Uh, I heard her speak when I was in Colorado Springs. I was frankly astonished at her boldness, at her at her ability to, to, to see things and to say things that everyone else is quiet about. We've got to get rid of the rhinos, Kevin McCarthy, uh, Mitch McConnell, whoever else out there is kind of playing patty cake with the devil. Your days are numbered, folks. You've, you have brought us to this tremendously ugly moment uh, in American history, That's and right. we are doing everything we when can and de- will do everything we can to get rid of you. When the Democrats can steal an election and then imprison anybody who criticizes them for it, when they can let their thugs loose in the American cities to burn and loot and rape and pillage and have zero consequences, we are essentially second-class citizens going down to third-class citizens. We are like kulaks in the Soviet Union. Um, I see the George Floyd riots as a kind of extended crystal knot, a, a savage attack on, on, ethnic, on an ethnic and political group by a regime that knows it can get away with it. And remember the one thing the Nazis did before they actually did Kristallnacht against the Jews in 1938. They disarmed them. They used the, the, uh, 
gun registration laws that the Weimar Republic had passed yeah. to collect all the guns from the right. Jews and the socialists and the Catholics right. and the labor unions. And then they had absolute power. That's what the Democrats want. I, That's why there's nothing as happy as a Democrat after a school shooting. It is Christmas morning and they're opening their toys. I, uh, I want to say that. You know, a lot of people listening to this maybe have a copy of my Bonhoeffer book, Collecting Dust on Their Shelf. If you want to see exactly how this happened then so that you understand what is happening now, all you need to do is open up my book, which I did a couple of months ago. And I got to tell you, even I was astonished. The parallels are genuinely chilling. But if you think about it, you know, there's nothing new under the sun. Evil operates pretty much the same way. Uh, Some of the details will be different. But the way they seize on a crisis and they say, let's use this crisis to gin up emotion and to tell everybody, unless you agree with us and go along with what we demand you go along with, you're part of the problem. We're going to put you in jail. That's effectively where we are. It's horrifying to see it, I have to say. Let's remember. Let's be specific. Andrew Cuomo helped gin up the COVID panic by dumping nurse, uh, COVID patients in nursing homes when there were plenty of empty beds on the USS Comfort at the Samaritan's Purse Hospital at the Javits Center. He purposely shipped COVID patients to nursing homes, killing tens of thousands of New Yorkers. Why? To justify the state of emergency he wanted to impose. He just he did that state of emergency and then he tried to use it to seize all guns in New York. He said as part of the state of COVID emergency, I will be we will be confiscating firearms beyond New York state law. Event he had to back down on that because he got in trouble for groping a staffer. So he ended up being booted out of office, not for killing tens of thousands of New Yorkers. Likewise, Gretchen Whitmer illegally imposed a state of emergency in the state of Michigan. The Supreme Court months later took took her powers away, but she wasn't punished for it. She dumped nursing home patients, dumped COVID patients in nursing homes. So did Gavin Newsom. I think it was a coordinated effort to kill a lot of elderly Americans who the Democrats don't care about anyway. Euthanasia, I call it the blue state nursing home genocide, and I hope people start talking about it. We need to investigate the blue state nursing home genocide. Why only in blue states were nursing homes purposely infected with COVID? To, I say to inflate the death numbers so that they could justify a state of emergency and more importantly, mail in ballots so they could steal the 2020 election. If you put that past people who support partial birth abortion and infanticide, you are a fool, my friend. Well, see, this is the this is the thing. And I I know I repeat myself endlessly, but it is hard to get our heads around this, at least for me to think that I, I know they're wrong on this and this and this and this. But to think that they're capable of that, it has taken me some time to deal with that, because I I think that, you know, when Jesus said, forgive them, Father, they know not what they do. I think that is the case with much of this. There are people that they honestly, they're doing the most evil things, but they think they're doing good things or they're not paying attention. There's some genuinely wicked actors. And then there are all kinds of people that they're not paying attention. And then, of course, there's most Americans who are saying, well, this is not my problem. Folks, this is your problem. If you do not take a stand, that's my stomach. If they do not, if, if, if you do not take a stand, if you don't get activated, if you don't become a poll watcher, if you don't run for school board, if you don't get busy 
in any of these things, and if you don't speak the truth about these things and be willing to take the slings and arrows of your your neighbor's disapproval, if you don't do those things, you are part of the problem. And I say this in love to people. I want you to know, folks, you you have to choose. Either you're part of the problem or you're part of the solution. We're in a, a horrible, horrible time. We need everyone to do something. Everybody has to do something. And as we go to a break, I can remind you, you have to see 2,000 mules and you have to tell everyone you know to go see it. Because if you don't know what happened, you can't make sure that it doesn't happen again. We'll be right back. We're talking to John Smirak. And the beaten down. Living in the hopeless, hungry side of town. I wear it for the prisoner who has long paid for his crime. Folks, welcome back. Uh, I have the joy to speak with our friend John Zmirak. John, you've written a piece uh, on the Uvalde massacre at stream.org. Let's talk about that. Sure, sure. Now, earlier I said this, nobody is happy as a Democrat after a school shooting. They, They run around like little kids on Christmas morning because they've gotten what they think is the biggest present they can, a pretext to take away fundamental constitutional rights from American citizens, to render you and me as helpless as the citizens of Australia were when they were locked in their homes, or the citizens of Canada or the citizens of Germany. Um, but what happened at Uvalde actually is the most powerful argument for the Second Amendment I can imagine. Correct. You had a, a dangerous lunatic inside the school You had parents outside, some of them with guns, because this is Texas, wanting to go in and rescue their kids. And the local police did absolutely nothing to stop the shooter for almost an hour. But they did restrain the parents from saving their kids. They actually wait. They let they wait. They put one mother in handcuffs because she wanted to run in and save her kids. She wait. She got out of the handcuffs, got inside and emerged with her two kids still alive. Because she got away from okay. the cops so who the, were handcuffed. The her. question I think most people are asking, and I don't know if you have an answer, is how is this possible? I don't understand how the cops didn't go in, number one, and how the cops, you know, how the cops allowed this to go on for an hour, which, which is incomprehensibly sick. I can't get over it. So, first of all, how, how did that happen, John? How, do, how is it possible? Why do you have cops if they don't go in to prevent children from being murdered? What, what did I miss? What's their thinking? I'm going to I'm going to skip the conspiracy explanations and just try to to assume that this is just normal, squalid, contemptible behavior. Um, Two months ago, these cops had had live shooter training for specifically this kind of situation. And they were told in no uncertain terms, you have to go in and stop the shooter. And if you're worried about getting killed or wounded yourself, you're in the wrong line of work. So the training told them the exact opposite. These cops acted the way the Democrat mayors acted during the George Floyd riots. They're not going to stop the violent crime from happening. They exist to control the honest citizens who might try to intervene. John, why? So apparently the authorities apparently exist to arrest Kyle Rittenhouse, not the rioters trying to kill him, to arrest Jake Gardner, not the looters trying to destroy his store. I don't know the specific motivations for these dirtbag cops in Texas, but they have to be investigated. Whoever is they, in charge of them has to lose his job. They, they should people flee. need to be held. They should flee for their lives. 
I'm afraid the next time, Eric, the next time there's a school shooting, if it's in a state that has the Second Amendment like Texas, I'm afraid the parents are going to push the cops aside and go in themselves. And if well, the cops try to stop I would. them, the cops are going to get the cops are going to get hurt. But the, the police seem to think their job is to let the criminals run wild, keep themselves safe and stop honest citizens from taking up arms in their own defense. And this is a technique of imposing dictatorship. It's called a narco tyranny. And it was used in Nazi Germany. In Nazi Germany, you had the brown shirted thugs fighting it out in the streets to try to beat up communist labor union, Catholic regular conservative the nazis were trying to take over the streets they would get in street fights they would beat up the other people they would all be hauled into court the judge would sympathize with the nazis give them a slap on the wrist and then send everyone else to prison for defending themselves that's exactly what the democrats did during the george floyd riots what they did during january 6th a narco tyranny is a technique i get it anarchy i get it happening in blue states and blue cities i get it but Uvalde, Texas, are you suggesting that Uvalde, Texas is that kind of a municipality? Well, the people running it are mostly Hispanic, probably a lot of them recent immigrants. They're likely to be Democrats. This is not the panhandle of Texas. This well, that's is what I'm trying to understand. How, how did this happen? What kind of a city is that, that the cops would behave like that? Why would the cops? Be- I mean, it's one thing if the cops behave like that in Chicago, in inner city Chicago. I get that. It's sickening, but I can kind of understand it. But in but Uvalde, uncontrolled, Texas. Uncontrolled immigration is turning parts of Texas into something a lot like Chicago. We're bringing people in from a chaotic third world regime, Mexico, and they're not used to the police actually protecting them. They're not used to public officials being honest. They're more likely to put up with it, to be subjugated. They were subjugated before. They don't have the same expectations that Americans do about the police being at least sort of honest and the government being at least quasi-democratic. And I feel terrible for people who come from one third world kleptocracy and they come to America and the Democrats have turned it into a third world kleptocracy here. But that is part of the tragedy of an uncontrolled open border is that we're not Americanizing. They are Mexifying Texas and California. And that's why you're going to see a social structure a lot like that in Mexico. A tiny, a pyramid with a tiny group of people with all the money and power at the top and everybody else helpless, abused campesinos. That is the Democrats' model for how America should be governed. People who went to Ivy League schools and, and the second tier like Georgetown at the top will have almost absolute power. At the very bottom will be the thugs and rioters who they will wield as their street muscle. And in between, the rest of us are powerless peons getting squeezed. You know, you're such a Pollyanna. You make me sick. We'll be right back with more John Zmirak.
Folks, welcome back. I'm talking to John Smirak, who I believe is having dental work done right now because it's very, very noisy in his mouth and uh, the local environs of his mouth. Uh, but we're just we're just going to get through it together as a team. Uh, John Smirak, what else can we talk about that is happening? Well, I, uh, I did a fun piece at Stream.org about how secular media trash Christianity uh, in ways that people don't even notice. Uh, there was a podcast that I listened to oh, called The Ancients. This this is a big one about Pandora's box. Please continue. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's, there's a British classics professor and stand-up comedian that only exists in Britain named Natalie Haynes. And she's quite attractive and funny and wry and worldly. And she was, she was doing a podcast uh, for the series The Ancients talking about Pandora's box. She has a new book on the subject. And she, she has an amazing ex, uh, discovery. Pandora did not have a box. Pandora had a jar. Whoa. It was a mistranslation. Yeah, it was a mistranslation. Pandora had a jar. And Natalie Haynes' argument is that in most of the stories about Pandora, there's no mention of her bring, unleashing evils on the world, opening some, bo- some jar and unleashing all the terrors of the world. There's only one story by Hesiod that tells that. But that's the one that she says that Christians focused on because Christians were moved to be misogynistic and to blame women for all our problems because of the story of Eve in the Bible. So she said that we Christians kind of perverted and hijacked this Greek myth in order to weaponize the misogyny that is built into Christianity from the very beginning, from the book of Genesis. Except Hesiod, you know, existed four centuries before Christ— uh, and he was one of the major figures. So it's not like he was some minor figure that Erasmus like pulled out of the rubble and 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 dusted off. So on every level, well, it right, looks yeah, let like, me get to the Erasmus. Part. Yeah, yeah. So Natalie Haynes's big thing is that the box was actually a jar, and the mistranslation was done by Erasmus, who was a humanist writer in the 16th century, a contemporary of Thomas More and Luther. She blames Erasmus, she blames Christianity for this Pandora's box story, making women seem like they're to blame for all the problems in the world. So during the podcast, she said, and the interesting thing is, for all his misogyny, Erasmus wasn't even a Christian. He was a humanist. Right. I, that, that's I, the, I almost, the headline. That's the headline, that this woman almost, who's supposedly some kind of a scholar doesn't know that Erasmus was about as profound a Christian as you could be at that time. All the humanists were Christian except for two. Sava, uh, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, well, we, don't, we don't need to know. Bruno, Giordano <laughs> Bruno and Michael Servetus were the only two humanists who weren't Christian. Philip Melanchthon, Thomas Cranmer, Thomas More. The humanists were a movement in the Christian church to revive classical learning. Natalie Haynes, because her education is narrow, doesn't know that. When she hears humanists, she thinks of Richard Dawkins and the new atheists because they adopted the term humanist 500 years later and tried to hijack it. So here this woman is 
looking at Christianity and saying it's misogynistic compared to classical culture. Now, you and I know in classical Greece, outside of Sparta, women were totally uneducated. They married whoever their father told them to. Half of them were slaves being used as prostitutes. Christianity actually insisted that women had to be consulted and had to give their consent to get married. Christianity started educating women. You've got whole orders of highly educated nuns, people like Hildegard of Bingen. Christianity had the figure of the Virgin Mary, who is vastly more important than Eve. Virgin Mary is seen as, a, as an ark of salvation, this kind, beautiful, pure figure. There's nothing like that in classical Greece. There's no female figure like the Virgin Mary. So Christianity actually it helped give us the respect for women that we, that we take for granted today. It comes from Christianity. It certainly doesn't come from classical Greece. Natalie Haynes doesn't know that... He, that Erasmus was a Christian, even though he wrote books like The Education of the Christian Prince, The Handbook of the Milton Christian. <laughs> he wrote endless commentaries and, and dialogues about corruption in the church. He wrote two books refuting Martin Luther on Christian doctrine. This woman doesn't know any of this, but she's an expert who gets on the BBC because she knows the difference between a box and a jar. It, it, it's actually funny how bad things are. In other words, things are so bad that now they kind of speak for themselves. You barely need to do anything except say, look, look. Um, the idea that a classic I scholar. Her on Twitter. What, what's that? I, I tweeted my article to Natalie Haynes, and there was no response, of course, because that's what they do. Well, you know what? I need to go on Twitter and I need to help you do that because that is really interesting. Because she needs to, to, to you know, in a sense, make this right. This is not debatable. Let's let's be honest. This is not at all debatable. And so her thesis is wrong and she should do the right thing. She doesn't need to to like you or me or the, but but you know, as a scholar, you kind of have an obligation. But it, it was funny to me to read that, John, because it just shows how bad things have gotten in the academy and of course in places like the BBC, the New York Times. I mean, they really don't even they just don't want to deal with facts and reality anymore. They're kind of making it up, hoping no one like you or me will notice. But this is how, in a thousand different ways, Christianity gets dim- gets lied about, gets distorted, gets trashed. You hear scientists on, on, on the radio and on television saying, well, of course, Darwinism has been proven. And of course, if you and I know, it's a, it's a collapsing R- Rube Goldberg that's falling apart where the squirrel has died. Uh, so there's no engine. There's no squirrel running on the wheel. The Rube Goldberg has broken. Darwinism is dead to anyone who actually studies it. Right. But they count on people having a superficial education of right. the kind acquired from NPR and the New York Times and the Atlantic Monthly, all of which are basically like sorority gossip magazines. Yeah. They are not intellectual anymore. They're yeah. unwill- they're not open to challenge. They don't they don't want debate. They are all about inclusion inclusion and exclusion. Who is part of the club? Who is clubbable? It, it, it is it is as embarrassing and as as anti intellectual as like a racist golf golf course in the nineteen fifties that well, won't let no, in that's, Jews. That's that's exactly right. And listen, I think all of these institutions they are falling apart. Uh, and we need to help them to fall apart. They're Potemkin villages. We need yeah. to give them a big shove, and then we'll see. oh, there's nothing there, son of a gun. We'll be right back talking to John Zmierak in hour two. We have Ask Metaxas and all kinds of other kooky stuff. Don't go away. Got to be a joker. He just do what he please. Shh. Shh. 
Folks, welcome back. A few minutes left with John Zmirak. John, what shall we discuss? Hey, hey, how about the Second Amendment? Right. I have a new piece going up at stream.org about the origins of American liberty in the English Civil War. And what most people, especially Christians in America, don't realize is that our First Amendment freedom of religion is directly tied to our Second Amendment gun rights. The reason the gun rights are in there is to protect the religious freedom in the First Amendment. And I can prove it historically. The the first codification of gun rights in the English-speaking world was in the English Bill of Rights in 1690. After James II was a Catholic who, who became King of England, and people were afraid he was going to try to force England to become Catholic. They had reason for suspicion. He was friends with Louis XIV. Louis XIV was his sponsor, and Louis XIV was persecuting Protestants at the moment. He was he was driving them out of the country, hunting them, taking kids away from their parents. James II took over as King of England. The Protestants panicked. They overthrew him. They brought in William and Mary from Holland to become King and Queen of England. One of the things that William of Orange had to agree to, to accept the throne, was the English Bill of Rights. It was restrictions on the power of the king. And one of the key elements was every Protestant must be allowed to have firearms. Now, that sounds weird to us. Why be discriminatory? Because Charles I and Charles II and James II had all been specifically trying to disarm Protestants, especially Puritans, the kind of people who founded Massachusetts. They were specifically targeting evangelical congregations and taking away their guns in order to impose Anglicanism or Catholicism from the top on the population. So the British Parliament wrote into law, no Protestant may be deprived of the right to hold firearms. This is the origin of the Second Amendment. When our Constitution, when they added the Bill of Rights, they added the Second Amendment. They took it almost word word for word from the English one, except they left out the specific religion. So everyone in America is guaranteed gun rights in order to preserve their religious freedom, their political freedom, their personal freedom. And if you read the debates about the ratification of the Bill of Rights, every founder from every part of the spectrum agreed gun rights were essential and armed citizenry was essential as the final backstop against tyranny. And they all that's how they reassured themselves. What if checks and balances don't work? What if a demagogue takes power? And at every step of the way, they said, but an armed citizenry will prevent that. And if you look at Afghanistan, you'll see an armed citizenry can stop the U.S. military. So all these Democrats who say, oh, these weapons, having weapons is not going to protect you. We have F-16s. We have nuclear weapons. We couldn't subdue Afghanistan. I don't think the U.S. military, with all its trannies and its out-of-shape woke people with rainbow hair, they're not going to be able to subdue Texas, much <laughs> less the whole United States. So oh hold God. on to your guns with your cold, dead fingers should yeah. not be a metaphor. Yeah. If you give away your guns, you are turning America into Australia where they can lock you in your house, into Canada where they can ride down demonstrators with the mounted police. You are surrendering every freedom your forefathers fought for. You might as well just emigrate to China. 
Go to China. Enjoy the social credit system because it's coming here. Well, John, uh, everything you say, I'm sorry to say, is true. Uh, but I'm so glad to hear you say these things. Uh, we, we need more of you, my friend. Thank you for being on this program. Um, folks, in hour two, uh, all kinds of other stuff uh, coming up. But, John, we're just grateful. I, I think people need to know that stream.org, let that be your go-to place. Go to stream.org. John's got an article there. Every weekday, you are obliged uh, to share uh, those articles with anyone you can. So, John, thank you. Thank you.